I kept very little because like, you know, I, I went to, I went, was in three off season programs and went to two training camps, one with the Steelers and one with the saints and make no bones about, listen, I wasn't, I wasn't on a practice squad. I wasn't on an active roster. I don't consider myself having played in the NFL. I got to go through part of that process. I got to see some of the inner workings. And most importantly, I got to steal this fleece, which is now far too big for me, was I think belonged to Ben Grubbs. I think it was one of those things because like off-season program, they weren't going to put something this nice in my locker and the equipment people certainly weren't going to give it to me. But I think Ben had just left a bunch of his stuff. I got to the New Orleans Saints, uh, the 2015 off-season and preseason, like a year after Ben had left. Uh, and so I just was like, all right, it's in here. It's now mine. And I still wear it to this day. So a little bit of stolen valor, but it's comfortable. And so I stand by the, the NFL stands for not for long. Second uh, down and goal from just inside the two backs offset Sharga and Armstead rollout Walker still running out looks to the left wide open Thompson touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards what of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting corner of the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What is going on, everybody? This is your host, Colin Thompson, with another episode of Not for Long Media. We'll be making a shift in the up- upcoming weeks. It's going to become the Colin Thompson Show, and Not for Long Media is going to become the, the parent company. The the Barstool Sports to the Spit and Chicklets and to PMT and all these crazy personalities. Something similar to that. The Action Park Media to Victory, the podcast. Some few of the pods that I listen to. So it's going to become the Colin Thompson Show. We're going to move forward with the Colin Thompson Show. We're going to have a bunch of new podcasts coming to you. Jack and our team know about them, but we're not ready to disclose them yet. But we're going to be pumping out about five podcasts by the end of the summer. So a lot of exciting news there coming to you from Not For Long Media. Before I introduce Jack, though, I want to talk about our friends over at Wealth Advisory Services. Personalized approach to managing your wealth, wealthadvisoryservices.com. Paul, Dave, and their team from Doylestown to Cape May, New Jersey, they have you covered. Talk on the phone anytime, FaceTime anytime, grab some lunch. If you're down the shore, up in Bucks County in Doylestown, they have you covered. 100 years experience in their office. Like I've said before, brought a new house, wouldn't have it without them. Going into my sixth year of playing pro football, it hasn't all been roses. It's been XFL. It's been AAF. It's been cut a dozen times uh, without Wealth Advisory Services. I'm not talking to you guys today. We don't have a media company. We don't have a new home, and I'm not playing in this league. I can tell you that right now. But I appreciate everybody tuning in. Jack in the back, what's going on, man? Nothing much, you know. It's been a crazy week. Everything happened at once. You got finals happening at once, the NFL draft, work wrapping. I was just at, at school. We had a bunch of games this past week. It's our baseball team's had in the playoffs, so it's been a hectic week. Sixers playoff second round starts today, so – Busy, good busy though. Busy for sure. And shout out to the rest of our sponsors, Fuel Hunt, Shots and Giggles, Pro Star Sports Agency, and our new friends over at the original Fudge Kitchen. Check them out. Fudgekitchens.com. A lot going on, Jack. Obviously, the NBA playoffs are here. The NFL draft is came and went. The NFL schedules are coming up here in about 10 days, recording on Monday, May 2nd. Uh, that comes out on the 12th. Uh, the schedule. So that's a big deal for the NFL. Obviously, I said the draft. The NHL playoffs starts tonight, the second which is the best playoff if you can get into one and say you're not a big hockey fan, but you enjoy playoff hockey. It's time of year to tune back in, folks, because this is a whole nother beast. It's my same argument to the NBA and the NBA in the regular season, which I'm not the biggest fan of at times. I just think it's – and everything's like an all-star game. I think they call ticky-tack fouls. I think, um, you know, guys – are mailing it in sometimes. It's 82 games. That's so many games. That's so much travel. Uh, it's not taking any away from the game and the product. It's just the fact that the, the regular season's not the, even remotely close to the playoffs, where football, I think every week matters. Um, every week's a playoff week, pretty much. It feels like that, at least from the inside. So uh, I digress, but there's a ton going on, and the NBA playoffs are here. The Masters has now came and went. Here come the NHL playoffs. It's fantastic brand. Uh, we're looking to ha- we're going to have Larry Flowers on next week, uh, but this week Larry Flowers got some awesome hockey stories. He's a jeweler for tons of NHL players. Uh, we have another maybe special guest coming on with him, uh, or maybe another hockey guest coming on after him. But this week we have Mike Gold Jr. coming on, someone who 
I have a ton of respect for someone who I grew up listening to his father and how that's kind of led me down this path of media, media creation, radio, broadcasting, color commentary, uh, all things when it comes to radio, podcasting and TV. It's really started because of Mike and Mike in the morning. So obviously that's his father, Mike Golick Sr., who's retired and um, you know, Mike Golick Jr. joined the pod a couple of weeks ago. All these interviews are from a couple of weeks back. I was able to log a few because a lot of traveling is going on here now that OTAs have started. Uh, and it's just an awesome interview with Mike. We just chopped it up. We kept it loose. We kept it light. Not a lot of planning by me. I know Mike and I would have plenty to talk about, plenty to be self-deprecating about like we always are. And, you know, uh, plenty to discuss in the world of just sports media fun. He's got a new uh you know, podcast with DraftKings that just came out, that just came public. So that's really cool. Make sure you check that out and support him. He's he's a friend. I'm lucky to call him a friend and someone I've been able to work with media-wise for sure. He's a great guy. So, Jack, I digress. Uh, Sixers advance. Joel Embiid's banged up. How are the Sixers looking and, and what's next for them? It's definitely the biggest side relief was Adrian Wojnarowski's report yesterday saying if there's optimism that Embiid can return game three or game four, against Miami. He doesn't need surgery. He mainly just needs to get cleared with his mild concussion and the orbital fracture and just go forward with a mask like he did against Miami in 2018, I believe it was. I mean, it's excitement. I mean, Tyrese Maxey, his best game this season was against the Miami Heat when Joel Embiid was absent, and he took down the entire starting Heat. Kyle Lowry's out. Jimmy Butler's dealing with some of these stuff. I believe P.J. Tucker is questionable as well. It's There's definitely a lot of excitement with Philly fans. You know, it's just steal a game on the road, and come back with advantage with Joel Embiid getting back in the swing of things. James Harden had a great game six. Fans are him. He can, can, can capitalize on that a little bit, continue what he's doing, and step up without Embiid in the mix and be that top-scoring option, which there is hope, and I think he can be able to do that. He's definitely shown he's capable of it. And, you know, I'm just excited for You know, Jimmy Butler is that, not even say animosity, and there's really nothing bad blood, but just the former superstar who left to take on his own team in Miami faced off against Philly. Sixers looking to take that next step and get past the ghost of only being able to make it to the second round and make it to the conference finals and face Boston or Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals. So there's hope, and I really think they can do it. If I, it's going to see how it gets done tonight. I'm expecting big things from Tyrese Maxey. Has he been the player that's impressed you the most in the playoffs so far? I would say Tyrese Maxey. I mean, from a Sixers sense, probably Tobias Harris, honestly. It has been Tobias Harris. He's been very sneakily good, and I think a lot of fans can admit that. He hasn't been flashy, but he's been hitting his shots, getting great rebounds, great defender, just all around exactly what you need from him. You don't need him to be that flashy guy when you have Harden and Embiid and Maxi, but he's been doing everything asked of him to perfection. I really think he could take up another level of Embiid out of the picture. Who has impressed you the most when it comes to a team, maybe a player of other teams in the playoffs other than the Sixers? Without it, Jordan Poole. Without a doubt, Jordan Poole. I think he's shooting somewhere around 70% true shooting percentage. He's looking better than Steph Curry and Clay Thompson at times, even when they're playing fantastic. I mean, with the level he's playing, there is nobody that can beat Golden State in the entire NBA. It has been tremendous. I mean, he went from a bench guy to pretty solid this season to superstar level supernova performance out of nowhere in the postseason. And it's just, it's not been one game. He has played like this every single game this postseason. It has been wild. I love it. Jack in the back with a little NBA discussion. Golden State Wars, little Sixers, a little Heat. Um, you know, the NBA is just full of just you know, theatrics. I love the playoffs. Like I've said, this is a different product. It's a great product. And it's this is the best time of year of sports when you just roll from like March Madness to the Masters to, you know, NBA, NHL playoffs. You have the NHL, NFL draft. It's a great, obviously, football season. Right, arguably is the best time of year in sports. All those other guys, people are playing fantasy football and those that are gambling, all these different things. A lot, a lot going on. Let's switch over to the NFL draft. Before we get into a few different things, I want to touch on this. This is the happy hour, happiest moment of the week for me. And that's really the recent senior bowl and and what they produced and how great the senior bowl is because they produce a ton of players in the NFL. So for me, the shots and giggles, happy hour, happiest moment of the week is the Reese's Senior Bowl. They tweeted 106 players drafted, 82% of the Senior Bowl players picked, 45 of the in the first three rounds, 40% of the NFL draft. I mean, that's so impressive. Uh, it's a great product. I've never been. I really look forward to going. They've had a player selected by every team. 
you know, it's a unique thing. I know a lot of coaches. I know a lot of scouts. I know a lot of people that rave about the event. It's how, say how good of a job their team puts on down there in the senior bowl. So an obvious huge uh, day for the senior bowl, but really a huge day for a lot of teams, Jack. I want to transfer, you know, transfer over to, to your Eagles. I know we have a lot of Philly followers on here, right? The linebacker that, you know, that Eagles fans say they never draft and maybe the facts are there. They haven't drafted one in the high rounds in a while or whatever it may be. I don't know the facts, but they got arguably the best linebacker in the draft in the third round. They got arguably the best defensive tackle, the biggest. I've met him in person at the Maxwell Awards. What a great guy. Big as a house in the first round. They trade for, you know, the receiver from Tennessee and Brown. So pretty good draft. What are your thoughts, Jack? It was phenomenal. I mean, I've, didn't absolutely love Jordan Davis the entire draft process. The moment I saw his combine and saw him run that four seven eight forty with how massive he is at six six, I believe three fifty. I was like, oh my, I need this dude. He is a freak of nature, and it's he is just such an elite rush defender. Like nobody can get past him in the air B gaps. He just clogs it up, and he does a tremendous job of it. He is just so insanely athletic. I think he really wasn't asked a lot to do do a lot in pass rush for Georgia, which is everyone he was surrounded with Trayvon Walker and such. I think he could still be that great of a guy. And this defensive line Philadelphia has is unbelievable. I mean, the back Jordan Davis is probably the third best defensive tackle on this team at this time behind Hargrave and Cox. And between him, third round pick Milt Williams last year, and you have Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett, that's your backup defensive line. That's a top 15 line of football in, in its own self. I mean, so I was freaking out. I was pumped about that. And I had a few minutes in between all the chaos. I was on the phone with a friend that right after the pick, and I'm like, oh, I got a couple of rounds or a couple of picks or whatever, like half hour. And it was funny enough, you were the one that broke it to me about AJ Brown because I just looked down, I see my phone buzz, and first thing I see is you just text me, wow. And I looked down, and then I have like eight more texts come through, and I see the notifications, it's AJ Brown, the Philly, and I was like, oh my God. I mean, I was, this is probably the best, I mean, maybe Devonta Smith, but this is probably the best wideout the Phillies landed outside of Sean, ja- Sean Jackson in the since T.O. I mean, I the way- say T.O. Good thing you said T.O. Yeah. And my friend Victor Williams said it so kindly. This is like McNabb, T.O. If they didn't hate each other. That's literally, <laughs> this is exactly what. Typical <laughs> Philly. Like that's just so Philly. We're just like pulling at straws and like just trying to relive and like compare to all these different things. It's a whole new thing. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I love it. I love it. But it's so Philly when I've kind of removed from it now. It's like, who can we compare them to? Like Jeremiah Trotter and, uh, uh, Brian Dawkins or whomever. Like, that's it. We have David Akers as our <laughs> kicker. Like, no, it's all good, man. It's great. I mean, I know I'm happy for the Philly folks. I'm happy for Philly fans. I, all my family is and friends are. So, you know, it's cool for them to see, you know, they're happy, which is great for our area. And it's great for the Philadelphia area. It's good for them. When the Eagles are good, everything's good in Philly. Um, but no, I'm really happy with our draft. You broke the news that we drafted Dickey with a six pick at a NC State. You know, he's a stud. I only hear great things. I don't know anything about the player. I know everything about the person and not everything. I shouldn't say I know a little bit about the person and I hear great things. I'm looking forward to meeting him here in the next week or so when he joins the team. But I've I've only heard wonderful things from him, about him, from the staff, all different people. Um, Everyone's excited. They got the player they wanted. You know, the Panthers, we did. And I'm really excited for that. You know, obviously the quarterback thing uh, is a big deal, right? And it's a highlighted subject. Uh, for the Carolina Panthers by the national news, by the local news. And they went and got Corral in the third round. Um, exciting times. I think we have a great quarterback room and Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker and Corral. Really good room. So exciting stuff there. And a lot to look forward to with our team. We have a great roster in Carolina. Um, you know, I don't need to sit here and make predictions and say this or say that, but I know I really like our team. I thought we had a great team last year. I think the team has, you know, improved and I'm feel really blessed to be a part of it. You know, we it was really cool this weekend for us, Jack. We got to go to the Kenny Chesney concert really as, you know, somewhat of a team. Maybe 20% of the team was there, 25% of the team was there. And we took a picture on the stage, and that was probably half a group that we were with. You know, everyone kind of got lost throughout the crowd and different things, but kind of found our way to the stage. And thank you to Mr. Tepper and Coach Rule and, you know, our front office for making it happen because it was an unbelievable thing. Our first real time doing anything since COVID as a team, really to be out and about and be social. Um, so it was great to do that. It's an unbelievable environment. Kenny Chesney was unbelievable. I say it to all these different people, whether you're a country fan or not, that shows a show to go to. It's so much fun. Uh, there's just a lot of really good people that go to it. A lot of really good people hanging out. Kenny, we didn't get to meet Kenny per se, you know, high five Kenny. We'll get to hand with, you know, hang out with Dan and Shay and a couple other, you know, artists and just kick it with them and just really enjoy, you know, 
these kind of quote unquote post COVID times. Um, so it's a good event, man, but I'm going all over the place per usual. The draft was fantastic. It was the drama. We thought we were just waiting for it and we got it. A couple trades in the first round receivers on the move, all these different things. What, what an incredible draft. Oh my God. It was, it was I mean, it was funny because the first, the first trade I think was Hollywood Brown to Arizona for, I believe it was their late first round pick. And we were literally all sitting there in traditional Philly fashion. Like, Howie, what are you doing? Like, how is he on the market? You didn't trade for him. Little did we know we had something even better in the works, but between those two deals, I mean, there was a bunch of trading back. I honestly thought the Eagles when before the AJ Brown trade, I thought the Eagles were going to trade back as they were in the mix of trading up, but everyone they wanted was gone early. Jamison Williams, Sauce Gardner, Derek Singley. But I mean, again, it seems like it turned out it's traditional in the NFL that all 32 teams think they won the draft, but it really does look like a lot of teams did really great to start. I mean, the ones that jump out the head in the mirror, Philly, Carolina, Kansas City, and Baltimore. Baltimore is probably my favorite so far because I just love David Ojabu and Linderbaum. They were some of my favorite prospects for Philly, and they were able to get both of them. Yeah, I was with NASA George, uh, who's been on the pod. It, you know, we did a quick pod. We were down there in Key West, a fun podcast. And uh, NASA George came. He was down in Carolina for the weekend for the Kenny Chon concert. And uh, him and his wife, Ange, and how it was so much fun with them to have them be a part of it and share with our friends. And, you know, we were talking Ravens, and he was just like, man, all these picks are just so Ravens picks. You know, they took the biggest offensive linemen. They took all these big D linemen. You know, that's just great. That's how you build a team, right? That's what we're trying to do in Carolina. It's no secret of the NFL, right? There's no, you know, secret that it would get a win up front with really good physical big players. So, yeah, Ravens took a lot of Ravens-type players for sure. That's, that's, well, that's sure. The, the most stereotypical draft was New England. I mean, Cole Strange, Cole Strange, great football player out Chattanooga. I mean, you saw Sean McVay's reaction, like, we wanted him. And it was just hilarious to see everyone's like, this is the most stereotypical Bill Belichick Patriots guy you really haven't heard of, but is very good. And it's probably going to be one of the best in the NFL in two, three years. But that was that was probably my funniest moment in the draft. Just so stereotypical New England. They know what they're doing. They've been doing yeah. it for a long time. That's for sure. Uh, we'll transition to my badass of the week, brought to you by Fuel Hunt. It's Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston, excuse me. The badass of the week brought to you by Few Will Hunt is Jameis Winston. He left Florida State for the NFL in 2015. Jameis and I played in the Under Armour game together. This is from Front Office Sports. So I got to know Jameis a little bit. He was great to me. Um, from guys that play with him, I only hear great things. Um, but then since then, the QB has been taking online classes to finish his requ required coursework. Today, seven years later, he returned to FSU to receive his college diploma. Uh, this was on April 30th. So, Badass of the week brought to you by Few Will Hunt. That, that's Jameis Winston. Good for you, man. Going back to school. Florida State pays for your school, I'm sure, because he continued the education there. Uh, and also uh, the NFL PA pays for your school, which a lot of people don't know that our union pays for. And that's one of the things that we lost last year to make back the money uh, that we were using to, to kind of boost the salary cap and keep it where it was, even though the NFL was losing money due to, due to COVID. So uh, long story short is we lost that. But Jameis either paid out of pocket for it or – uh, Florida State covered that bill or whatever it may be. But to continue to go to school after being a first-round pick, it's something to be said about that. You know, I, I don't know what he graduated in. It has nothing to do with it. But just the pure fact that he had went back to school, he grinded through those, you know, online classes while you're preparing to play in the NFL or play a game or, you know, he's been hurt. So he says, okay, I'm hurt. How can I make the best of my time? This is what I'm going to do. So good for him on a personal level. I know it's hard to believe sometimes for people out there that actually we are human beings too. Uh, and we're trying to move our lives. There's other things in, in our lives other than football. Obviously, they, people that listen to this know that I have a podcast and have that going too, and a few other things. But just shout out to Jameis. You know, he's been he's been a you know a great pro. Right, the quarterback position is really scrutinized, but this is the guy that's breaking some records throwing a football, uh, which is really impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, I'm, he did really great in Carolina before that unfortunate injury, but it's still great, like you said, to see him go back and get that degree. Like I saw with Brandon uh, Brooks, as soon as he retired from Philly, first thing he says, like, I'm staying here, I'm going to UPenn, and I'm getting my degree. Like, that was something great. It's, it's, see them continue that and do achieve goals that they've desired for several years, and they have the time where they make it work and are able to achieve it. I mean, that's just tremendous to see outside of the football world. Unbelievable. It's credit to him. I mean, it's, that, that's not easy to do for someone who's in it, right? And he's a quarterback. They, these guys have so much on their plate off the field. They have so much on their plate on the field. The amount of knowledge, direction, leadership, pressure, all those things that they have to live under is just incredible. Um, so 
Shout out to Jameis, our badass of the week, brought to you by Fuel Hunt. Unbelievable job by him. Okay, I'm going to transition. A little Colin Coward. People know that listen to the show. I'm a big Coward fan. I, I just like – I don't agree with everything he says, but I do like the way he does business. I do like the way he pokes fun on his social media. I like the way he keeps it light and fun and smart, and he builds arguments. He tries to compare some things, you know, oranges to, you know, uh, you know, hand size of a quarterback to – you know, whatever he does, I'm trying to think of some some way to, to explain Colin, but that's how he does it. He's, he's really unique. He tweeted, the college football is dead crowd. USC, Miami, Texas are getting back into the top, and it is great for the sport. Always an element of society that immediately leans into fatalism. Yawn. Some tweaks with NIL are eventually coming. Until then, peace. End quote. So, there's a lot going on with NIL, and we're going to continue to tackle this in the next couple months because there's so much to talk about. Do I agree players should get paid? Absolutely. Do I agree players should be sitting out because they're not getting as much as they want? I'd be speaking out of both sides of my mouth if I said, no, they should be able to sit out. They should be able to do what they want. You're your own person. You have you could, you could receive the benefits or the repercussions of your decision. So, I, I, I know a lot of people are freaking out about this because this is getting to another level. But we if if I told you that this was coming and I told you that this was going to happen, there's gonna be players sitting out saying, I'm not getting enough money, pay me more, or I'm not gonna play, or I'm gonna tra- I'm gonna transfer. People will say, you know, I probably believe that. So why is it shocking now? Why is it bothersome now? I don't right? go ahead, Jack. I mean, I, I before I send it over to you, my bottom line is this changes are coming, like Howard said. How are you going to regulate it? How are you going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's just like you said, I think they are absolutely deserving of being paid. I mean, like at this point, they're not signed contracts. I mean, it's very different landscape now in terms of just sports across the board. I mean, with the NIL, they're going to be searching out. It probably the priorities would honestly change. I mean, it's, I feel like a lot of the holdouts you're seeing are from current students. I don't think it'll be something long-term because I feel like NIL deals will kind of be locked in when it, or crew comes in. So like they were like, we'll be settled into things. I think you're the one thing is you're going to see a lot of two and twos. That's my thing. I think you're going to see a lot of transferring out the sophomore year to go somewhere after a two year deal. They have with somebody expired. Cause look at a lot of things. Like I think it's Miami is that they, um, they had the basketball recruit was life wallet was there. Um, we talked about last week, but they've got like hedge fund billionaires sitting there just funding their basketball teams, which is great for these players. And it's great for the program. Like the players absolutely deserve to get paid. I mean, not, but I do think that there's going to be definitely some sort of regulation of, all right, you only have, I think the one thing you'll see is definitely like a budget. Like, listen, like you get like 15 million players getting paid 15 million or something like that, like total, or like, I don't know if that's something the NCAA can even regulate because it's going to be coming from, brand saying play here so it's going to be definitely even as i'm thinking about it, it's going to be extremely challenging on how they're exactly going to regulate it and like i said it's nothing really bad going on just now it's just trying to figure out how to make it more well balanced in a sense i guess is how you would say it yeah i mean it's well said jack i think too like those hedge fund you know millionaires billionaires the people that already supported the programs they supported it already now there's just a more fun way to do it they're like okay i'm gonna great i'll write you the check for the two million to build the uh, nutrition bar and the new basketball hoop and the couple of balls you need but we're also gonna you know throw in some cash for a player that we really want so it's become a bidding more a little bit more i'm sure it's actually drawn more money to the school so i don't think schools are upset about it because hey the product's better because we have we're, we're big institutions if anything, it hurts a small school. Now, you can go out and get your NIL and build off your own brand. A lot of people have off of just social media posts and likes and follows. But if you're somebody like a Penn State, a Notre Dame, Michigan, Florida, Alabama, USC, Texas, it's only a matter of time till they, you know, cream rises to the top because they have the deepest pockets. They have the most people in their network, in their alumni base, that's willing to say, yeah, okay, I'm a, I've already donated X. I have some more funds now. I don't want to donate Y because I want to donate to this player, Jack Connell's coming to school, and I want to pay Jack to be our shooting guard. Well, he's the best shooting guard in the league. It's going to take another – best shooting guard in the country. It's going to take another 500 grand. Okay, great. Let me call my buddy. I'll split it with him. Boom, here's another 500 grand. Here he comes. For the next two years, year 
you you have a winning product because that's basketball. I think you're going to see it in football, and I get football, but as a team, it is a team sport. Basketball is a team sport too, but one player can change the whole thing. If you bring in two players from an NBA team, right? If you take Joel Embiid and put him on any team in the NBA, you take LeBron James, put him on any team in the NBA, especially in LeBron's prime, we all know that they're automatically top four team to go win a championship, right? These superstars in the NBA, in basketball, college basketball, they'd run the whole show. The superstars from UNC, they're coming back. They're probably favorites to win it all next year, right? So, and they're probably going to get a couple, couple top recruits that they're going to have a booster, pay a ton for, and UNC's the favorite. So, you know, I get it. I, I get it. But really, it's, it already happened. This was already happening. And I'm not saying boosters already were writing checks. We all know that boosters were writing checks. I'm saying that this was happening in college football, just on a small scale, and it wasn't public. Now it's just public. And that's why people don't like it because they thought of college football and college sports differently before. It's my opinion. It's still the same thing going down. There's just more checks, bigger numbers, more commas coming with it. Yeah, so I'm in complete lockstep with you on that. It's just, I mean, that's what you say, like there's going to cream rise to the top. I feel like you're kind of seeing, I mean, there's also, you have to think there's, I mean, the one thing I think will be an issue is like, if you got a guy like take, for example, John Morant, Murray State, a superstar player that just takes over at a small school and they just really develop there, put that into a football sense, just like, and they're going to be entering their third year. Do they transfer to take the more money? Do they stay loyal to the people that brought them in? I think that's where you're going to see the biggest sort of switch because I mean, like the top recruits have been going to the top schools and getting what they want for a while now. Like you kind of mentioned, it just hasn't been public. It's just the numbers are a little bit more flavor. I feel like they're inflated across the board now. Like it's really not much of a more discrepancy because it's just a higher level across the board. I think we got some breaking news, Jack. Do we now? We got some breaking news. Hold on. Let's see. I don't want to. I want to make sure we're we're right here. Hold on. Has to do with Temple, Michigan State, and your Carolina Panthers. Can you connect the dots? I don't want to, I know this is bad, you know, I know this is bad folks, but I don't want to, this is bad radio, but I want to make sure we're okay on this before I report it. Because reporting live. Is this okay, a looks, something exclusive or is this, this something we're seeing on the timeline? This is on Twitter timeline, so it's not exclusive to me. You're not going to get any exclusives from me. Even though I have a few and I could have probably dropped a few, you know, Woj bombs, you know, maybe not during the draft, but during like free agency or something like that, because I have some buddies in the league or whatever that may be. All right, so we're going to drop it. Drop, drop the breaking news sounder. We don't have one, but I'm going to pretend like we do have one. Anthony Russo, Archbishop Wood, Temple, will be coming to, it looks like, your Carolina Panthers for rookie minicamp. Anthony Russo to the Carolina Panthers for rookie minicamp invite. So congrats to him. I know Anthony and his family very well, well-deserved, a great player was a part of a couple different staffs in college, a couple different, you know, universities in college, went through some ups, went through some downs, but a really good player with a ton of talent, a big bodied guy. And it looks like Twitter's not updating for me here, Jack, but I got a text from someone who I trust that said Russo to Carolina for minicamp. Uh, not from any, from anybody on the team, guys, I, I don't have like people text me to that, but just a friend they saw on Twitter and said, it looks like Anthony Russo is coming to Carolina. So that is awesome news for Anthony. A great kid, and I'm glad we were able to break yeah, some I'm news. Yeah, I'm seeing it right now from a quarterback coach, seeing it on the timeline a little bit. Uh, okay, yeah. so, okay, good. You're backing me up here, Jack. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It is. Oh, I don't know. Tony Rat, Rass, I can't say that last say, but he's a quarterback coach and an NFL prep coach. So it looks like he okay. works with Anthony. Okay, so. great. Great. There cool. it is. Anthony Russo to Carolina. A little One more connection here to Coach Matt Rule, and Coach recruited him. I recruited Anthony. Uh, on a recruiting visit to Temple, there was like three, four feet of snow. I was planning to go home, and Coach Rule's like, can you stay? Because Anthony Russo's coming to town. And I wanted to go home to Snowmobile, my uncle, and you know, be up in Upper Bucks County, Snowmobile, and having some fun. And I stayed and recruited the heck out of Anthony in a snowstorm where we really you know, couldn't do anything, and there's only one restaurant open in Philly. And, uh, yeah, I'm thankful we stayed. Actually, it was him and Sam Franklin. Sam Franklin now sits next to me in the locker room at Carolina Panthers and was a great player in college, a great player in the NFL at Temple. So, yeah, did a little break. Did you overlap at Wood? Did, we, did you overlap at Wood or no? I did. So, Anthony was a freshman. No. Anthony was a 
Wow, that's a great question. You put me on the spot here. Anthony was either a freshman when I was a senior, or when I left, he became a freshman the next year. Gotcha. So one of the two, I forget. I know Ryan Bates was a freshman when I was a senior. This is putting wood at like six or seven guys in the league right now, which is an unbelievable thing and uh, really cool. I mean, LaSalle's got four or five. Um, I know Zaire Franklin, Ryan Winslow, Jimmy Morrissey. There's one more. The preps got Runyon and uh, Swift. Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr. is on his way. They have a couple of players too. So it's Philly. There were some times there. There were some really good football times throughout, throughout my career. There's a lot of guys that played in college. You know, the pro, you know, pros is a lot of luck involved to get where we're at. Obviously, you know, some skill. I'm not discrediting myself or my buddies that are in the league uh, from the Philadelphia area, but there's a lot of great players that played in college too that had a lot of injuries and maybe, you know, had a lot of turmoil they had to overcome, just like the rest of us. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of everything on the pod today, Jack. A little bit of everything. Again, I want to shout out our sponsor, Wealth Advisory Services, the official sponsor of Not For Long Media, Fuel Hunt, Pro Star Sports Agency, Shots and Giggles in Key West, Florida, and the original Fudge Kitchen. Unbelievable sponsors we're so lucky to work with. Uh, anything else, Jack, before we go? No, I think we pretty much covered it. It's been an eventful week. You know, I think we pretty much touched on almost everything between NHL and NBA playoffs, the draft. Got some wood talk in there, some little yeah, breaking news. wow. Yeah, a lot of breaking news, a lot of breaking news. And I think there's a couple more wood players that it, that it got selected to. Yeah, you're right, Anthony Russo. There it is. It's coming more public. Carolina Panthers. Unbelievable. Cool. So, guys, I really hope you enjoy the uh, Mike Golick Jr. interview. Mike is a great guy, intelligent, articulate, so well-spoken, so well-thought-out. He is going to be you know, a legend, if not, he already is a legend in this business for such a young person um, to take off the way he has had the success, the way he has as an analyst, as a, you know, color commentary to hosting his own radio show to Mike and Mike in the morning to all these different things. Uh, appreciate you coming on, Mike. Jack, appreciate you, brother. Of course. Great episode as always. It always is fun, buddy. Uh, next week. We'll be getting ready for the NFL schedule to come out. We'll be talking a little maybe uh, Kentucky Derby this weekend. So Tottenham plays Liverpool this weekend, which is a big matchup. Tottenham's in the in the fifth place in the standings. They need a win to move up into the fourth place to be in the top four uh, for the Premier League. So, yeah, a little Premier League talk at the Spurs hat on today. So touching literally everything today, Jack. I don't know what we have not talked about. So <laughs> That's Jack Connell. I'm Colin Thompson. The Colin Thompson Show will be up next, folks, coming up in the next few weeks, along with a few other podcasts and Not For Long Media. Big thank to our team. We have so many – we should be able to run through everybody's name now, Jack, but there's a, there's like a dozen now. So very thankful <laughs> for that. And I uh, appreciate all you guys for making this work. We're going to send over to Mike Gold Jr. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, so we got the great Mike Golden Jr. in the building today. One of the original guests and not for long media back in the day. I interviewed Mike from my wife's apartment at the University of Florida. We talked an hour about shit. I don't even know. Your dad, so many different things. I, I got into radio because of your father. And, and now the podcast is like six, seven years old. And we are, we're a network or media platform now, for lack of a better term. And I get to have cool people like you on, man. So I appreciate you coming on. Man, that's a wild that's a wild way to think about it. Like six or seven years, especially in podcast years, that feels like dog years where it's basically like you're a fully grown and formed, like you said, platform now. It's crazy. Yeah. We're we're inheriting some people under the not for long media name. When I had it, it was not for long podcast. I'm changing my name. Uh when this comes out, it may be changed or not. Gotta go, you know, count the Colin Thompson show, the Colin Thompson experience. I don't know which way I'm gonna go, but you get, you know. It seems like the way most of it, like I was just kind of scrolling through like the podcasts and seeing like, you know, the top hundred or 200, however they list them. And the majority of them that have become sort of like ubiquitous now, like you don't even think of it as anything, but it really is like, you know, the Pat McAfee show, the Bill Simmons podcast, all these things like pardon my take. And some of those are outliers for the most part, actually having an original name. That's really well said. Yeah. I mean, even like, like I'm a huge, obviously, so yeah, I will listen to a bunch of Barstool podcasts, but really I listen to Spit and Chicklets. Hockey's like my release. Hockey's my favorite sport other than football, and it's been released. So I listen to them. I've had them on the show. Actually, Rear Admiral, the host, has been our biggest listen, believe it or not. He retweeted everything. Oh, yeah. He retweeted everything. Like, 
I'm people don't have to come on and retweet anything, right? If you tweet one thing, it's like stream gratitude, but like he retweeted literally every single eight posts and it rocketed up. I'm like, thank you, Rear Admiral. You are the man. Damn, getting those getting those numbers up. All right, you know what? Listen, challenge accepted. All right, <laughs> my my retweet button is strong right now. I am clicking with reckless abandon. So this is perfect. So you have a just right your personality, obviously from your time at ESPN. I know it. Listeners know it. It's first off, extremely intelligent, well spoken, articulate. Like that's Michael Jr. And that's not like pumping tires, but that's like listening to what you do. Like I listen to your stuff. I'm like, I, I just can't rip it like that when it comes to like just the intellect right and then you get on twitter and you're just charismatic even though you're always charismatic and fun but on twitter you have fun you're charismatic you got good juice to it do you is that just you just saying like this is who i'm gonna be because people are different on social media than you know maybe who you are you got a brand all those like big fun words in the world we live in now but why do you kind of act that way for lack of better term on social media because i think it's fun it's great uh, first off i appreciate all, all, all that and like obviously you know the the ego boost of it is nice but and like honestly it's always interesting for me because when people throw out brand and all that other stuff like i i operate by my dad's oldest bit of advice to me which is be yourself because you're not smart enough to be anyone else like I can't go out there and do what, like, you know, we brought up the Barstool guys, what, like, PFT Commenter does. Like, that is such high-level intelligence it takes to operate the way that PFT does. And while I appreciate the the compliments about intellect, like, it, it's not necessarily to the point where I could do that. So, for me, especially on social, because it's the one where I'm technically not representing any employer, even though – you know, there's going to be plenty of people that listen to me on ESPN that came over to my social expecting something similar. It's still kind of like the disclaimer that a lot of people put in there, like, you know, tweets and retweets are not uh, an endorsement or reflection of my current employer X, Y, or Z. I, I just kind of get on there like most other people tell jokes, sling a bunch of dumb memes, get on there and join the conversation with everyone else. I mean, I, I live alone. So if I'm watching a sporting event, and it's not with friends who have come over, or I'm not out with people, it's kind of a way like everyone else to be watching it with a group of people at the same time. So it, Twitter is just kind of where I get to be me, but with a little bit of time to think the stuff over, right? Because you see some of the tweets that come out, you don't want to be just another, although my favorite thing is when we all just are watching the same thing so in lockstep that we can tweet, wow, or oh my God, and everyone knows what everyone's talking about in that instance. But for the rest of the time, you get to process and try and put your best material forward, try and get a joke off, try and, you know, get a meme that might go out there and do some numbers. So that's the one where you kind of get to play a little bit faster and looser with it. it at least I, I did, especially when, you know, being in a brick and mortar place like ESPN, where when you, you know, head in front of the microphone or put on the tie for a broadcast, the expectation is a little bit different on the content that you're going to provide there. And there's a prime example, everybody, about Mike's intellect and how he can just absolutely rip it and just pop, 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 pop. Like, that's it. There's, there, there's your gift. Unbelievable at it. Obviously, a lot of practice, a lot of reps. Okay. Who's the best follow on Twitter? Uh, for my money, uh, the best follow, especially if we're going to keep it like general sports range, like uh, extreme bias, pretty good friend. But I think Mita Kimes, I call her the Rosetta Stone. Because wherever you're coming to the conversation from, Mina is smart enough and well-versed enough in that to help you understand the other thing she might be talking about. So if you come from a business background the way that she did, working at Bloomberg and Fortune and all that stuff, and you maybe don't know sports as well, she's the connective tissue for that. If you're just here for memes and internet shit posting and you happen to like those other things, she can be the connective tissue for that. Obviously, the sports acumen is, you know, uh, light years beyond a lot of her peers and all that. And so I, I think she does the best job of what we're all supposed to do, which is make content accessible to the broadest cross-section of people by knowing so much about everything. And for her, that's just, you know, the natural part of her background. It's the beauty of having people covering sports from all different walks of life is you're going to get a vantage point that's formed from a completely different life experience than someone like me or you who came to this through playing sports. And I think just for that reason and the meme quality, I think someone dubbed it, I think it was Bill Barnwell getting kimes 
where you tweet a joke and Mina's reply to the joke is better than the original joke. And it's happened to me way too many times. And if I didn't like her so much, it would piss me off because every time I think I've gotten off a good joke, Mina comes in with the better option. She is intelligent and she's a rock star at ESPN. She does great work. I mean, literally they're going to Mina with legit, you know, football questions. That has nothing to do with you know, sex, whatever. It has 100% to do with that she did not play football and she rips it, absolutely rips it. Yeah, well, and it's because I, she, and this is something we all appreciate coming from the sports background where in the most ideal version of it, it's a meritocracy. It's because she works her ass off, right? If yep. Mina doesn't know something, there's not an ego. She asks questions. She knows, all right, I'm on set with Dan Orlovsky who was in the NFL for a, almost a decade and a half playing the toughest position in football. If I got questions on something I'm seeing in the way a team approaches coverage or the way they approach constructing an offense, I've got someone I can bounce this off of. And she spends so much time working on that, so much time grinding tape, trying to learn the things that she didn't pick up because she didn't play football. It just then amplifies the stuff that she already knows. So it, it's a lot of talent, but it's because she busts her ass, which is the thing I respect the most. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm a big fan of following Chris Long. I know you guys have gone back and forth. <laughs> Chris is a gem, man, isn't he? Dude. And then talking about the green room, like we're talking about like a, a name, but he can do that because that that fits him. That is that is him. I mean, he's it, just got it. He's just got it going on, man. Like if you had to pick, oh, he's been on the pod. If you had to pick like a, a former NFL player's life, like <laughs> it's the long family. Like they just got it right. They did it right. Well, we always joke like the Golics are basically like if you were going to buy a Costco brand longs, right? <laughs> the Kirkland. Like, they're the Kirkland version of the. <laughs> straight it we're like we're like a bootleg like dad played in the nfl and you know had the best career of all of us wasn't a hall of, fame, hall of famer like howie but still there me and my brother played college football together you know got further than a lot of people get and all that stuff and didn't make that chris long and kyle just happened to be first round picks in the top 10 and you know for both of them i you know i know kyle's had a rough go with the injury bug and things and i know chris you know his career it, it, it maybe didn't reflect what he thought, you know, it would be as a number two overall pick, but shit, it's incredible by normal human standards. So yeah, all of us are just that much worse at what we've done than everything the longs have done. It's incredible. Well, you've made an incredible addition in the great Ben Bronker, <laughs> my yeah. former, former teammate oh. uh, with the Chicago bears. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know this. So is there anything I need to know about Ben? Because I feel like I know him pretty well at this point, but being in a locker room is a different level of intimacy. You, you, you know, Ben, obviously way more than me at this point. I played with Ben. I went to the Chicago Bears week eight when Zach Miller went down with the knee injury. I went into Chicago for a tight end workout. I was, I stayed. Ben was the practice squad tight end on and off the active roster. I came in behind him as a rookie tight end, just like swimming. But perfect practice squad guy to some extent you know lack of better term uh, and that's what the most utmost humble approach i mean for people out there you know exactly what i mean yes but for everyone out there um, i was not playing on the i wouldn't could not have played on the field i don't think uh, at that point in time so yeah ben came up and uh got to know ben and you know was he's he's got a great sense of humor very dry very smart obviously harvard and then i was it said he was working there yeah and i and your, and your dad on the radio would always talk about her success in Notre Dame. So I always listened. Again, I, we were, we were, we're her and I were the same age. So I remember your dad being like, yep, my daughter's getting recruited by Notre Dame to swim and all that. So then it was like full circle. So I really didn't go to get to know Sid that well, but I know Ben was there. So no, yeah, nothing really. Ben is just like the, the nicest guy. I don't think like early on my personality may not have matched with Ben's because I'm just like the football, like kind of hardo like giving a bunch of like i'm on the practice squad i'm hey guys i know how this dn plays like i should have just been quiet i'm just like nah i can't it's not in my dna so i remember ben and my buddy dan brown another tight end in the league who they're good buddies who are special teams coach called them the associates because they would sit next to bronica and brown they would sit next to each other <laughs> and he's now in carolina chris they were hysterical but yeah so I ate lunch with Ben and got to know Ben and we found a bunch of common ground and got to know each other real well. I was devastated when I got cut from there. I got cut the day they traded for Khalil Mack, which was like 11 months after I got there. Um, I was the seventh tight end out of six guys. That room was loaded. Um, so I wasn't going to make it, but that's how it goes. 
Shoot, man, so, I can say that that was back when the Chicago Bears. I mean, hell, you. I mean, right after that, I think they had like eleven tight ends on the roster or something like that. I mean, that was more crazy. tight ends than I've ever seen in a pro football roster. But it, talk about all of it coming full circle now is. I am getting ready to officiate Ben and Sydney's wedding coming wow. up here in April. So we have wow. made it all the way to that point here. Ben has decided to stick around this group of absolute <laughs> men. I give him so much credit. Uh, it was He's completely different than the Gold family. He has to be. Oh, it, it, he it, it honestly must feel like he's like charity, like the dumb shit that we ask Ben, because we know just this vast like tap of knowledge that he is. But I give him a ton of credit. It was early. I mean, it must have been his second year in the league. So, you know, that, that last weekend in the preseason when you guys all play on Thursday and waiting around to find out what the cutdown is going to look like. Ben didn't really know what his future was going to be like. And we were all coming back in town. Notre Dame and Michigan were opening the season that year. So it was my entire family going to South Bend. It was a lot of Sydney's close friends. And Ben wasn't even sure he was going to make the team or not. And Sydney said, you know, we don't have to go back there. Like, you know, I'd like you to meet my folks, but you know, I know this is a pretty stressful weekend. And he said, no, like we'll go back and drove down there, walked right into the Hornet's nest and met our entire family. Like my grandma, everyone there and immediately was just fine. And again, a group of people that are, insane is putting it very kindly and walked out on the other side and still wanted to stick around so he's in it now everything in the wedding is paid for so he can't leave <laughs> he is a great guy i wish them nothing but the best great he's a great addition he gives the, the golic family a serious bump in in knowledge what is he doing now we're going off the rails but what <laughs> i know he's be a doctor i know he was was he an infectious disease so it was an infectious disease i, I think now at this point he wants to work in neurology. He obviously, unfortunately, part of his career in the NFL ending a little early was due to some concussions and him knowing, all right, he wanted to go on and use his brain a lot more than I do or my dad does since his career ended. So it, part of that for him was, all right, he wanted to make sure that that was intact. So he's getting ready to hopefully go to school, become a neurologist. He's just, you know, doing all the med school interviews now. And him and my sister are waiting to figure out where the hell they're going to end up living through all this. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy, which I'm nothing but the best. And your family, I know your dad's got a few things cooking. I know you got a few things cooking. But before we get into all that, I want to just talk about the fact that you scooped a NFL equipment shirt and a comfy Nike shirt and that, oh. the best equipment. You can't find this anywhere, folks. No, and when, listen. You, when you're leaving the league or even whatever, in the league, you got to scavenge it while you can. Shoot, man, I, I kept very little because, like, you know, I, I went to – I went was in three off-season programs and went to two training camps, one with the Steelers and one with the Saints. And make no bones about, listen, I wasn't, I wasn't on a practice squad. I wasn't on an active roster. I don't consider myself having played in the NFL – I got to go through part of that process. I got to see some of the inner workings. And most importantly, I got to steal this fleece, which is now far too big for me, was I think belonged to Ben Grubbs. I think it was one of those things because like off-season program, they weren't going to put something this nice in my locker and the equipment people certainly weren't going to give it to me. But I think Ben had just left a bunch of his stuff. I got to the New Orleans Saints, uh, the 2015 off-season and preseason, like a year after Ben had left. Uh, and so I just was like, all right, it's in here. It's now mine. And I still wear it to this day. So a little bit of stolen valor, but it's comfortable. And so I stand by it. It's tremendous. I've talked to many players in their day. They are leaving like they're gold bricks walking out of the facility. Any Nike stuff. Oh. You can't buy that. Like I, I looked online to find things. I don't know if they make it just for NFL or not, but the sweatpants and that Nike, I mean, it's tremendous. I digress. It's well, an unbelievable. My, I, I will say my favorite thing about holding on and hoarding things they no longer make. Max Unger was the center that New Orleans Saints traded for when I was there the second time around. Obviously, a stud, you know, a, a perennial, you know. Pro so let's just say guy. he's the reason why. He's the reason why you didn't make it. Just like Khalil Max, the reason why I didn't make it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, uh, yes, exactly. Max is the reason. And Max was, you know, a player that was kind of straight. Like if I'm like the older side of millennial, he was that prior generation. He was that prior generation of NFL guys where he had already been around seven, eight years at that point. And the one thing they had phased out was like the old school girdles that look like a diaper. 
And because they were made by whatever prior equipment manufacturer the NFL had been using. And Max liked them so much that he had had, right as they were getting phased out, he had had the equipment guys in Seattle basically pilfer as many as they could for them. So he was wearing like these vintage NFL diaper-like jock straps in the locker room so proudly, could not have made him look older if he tried. But the man knew what he liked. He appreciated the comfort and he hugged it tight. Wow. That's excellent. Out of <laughs> things, still, no one ever needed to know. Is he still playing? Yeah, now, Max just retired okay. about a year ago, I think. So I think he did about a decade in the league, and Ooh. quite honestly, was like the down. Would, trading him was like the beginning of the end for Seattle, as far as any commitment to blocking people for us. So that was uh, Jimmy Graham trade. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, we got to talk NFL. I was planning to <laughs> bounce around a few other things, but. We're talking trades. Trade word came up. It's like it's like a, a you know a drug now for every GM in the NFL. Trade this, trade that, capital, whatever it may be. The Tyreek Hill trade just went down today for six draft picks, and a, and the and they're like Deshaun, right? You're getting traded, and then we're going to pay you. It's it's amazing, and it's partially like all of these are, are certainly different, but what you just mentioned, the general tenor behind all this, we saw happening in the last few years where you're getting an infusion of a lot of younger GMs. You're certainly getting teams that are willing to spend and we're coming out of the other side of the salary cap squeeze that happened during COVID. So the cap's just under like $210 million this year for teams. But I think as much as anything, it's people kind of, you know, we talk about the copycat league thing all the time off the heels of what Tampa and the uh, Rams have done, people are just like, all right, if we believe we've got the dude or anywhere close to the dude, we're going to go for it. But also Miami's a great point of if we want to find out if we got the dude and then still create a space to where on the other side, we can bring somebody in if it doesn't work out. That was two years ago what the Browns did around Baker Mayfield, right? You sign Austin Hooper, you bring in Jack Conklin, you bring in Jarvis Landry and all these options for him to try and smoke out if you've got the guy. Now, mixed bag of results on that, but for Miami that had not done enough to protect Tua to even do all this, you got an offensive-minded head coach in Mike McDaniel, comes from the most QB-friendly offense in the NFL. You brought in, you know, when he's healthy, one of the three best tackles in the league in Teron Armstead and free agency, and now you might have the fastest offense offense that money can buy skill-wise. So you're going to find out if Tua can play very quickly or not here. And if he can't, you're going to be in position to be able to offer a pretty lucrative landing spot to whatever veteran quarterback hits the spin cycle next. And we're seeing those guys a little more willing to pry themselves out of the situation they don't like now. There is going to be many of defensive backs, and not to their fault, that it will be falling down in Miami. And obviously because of the speed they have with Waddle and Hill, but that grass, especially towards the end of the year, gets beat up. We played there. I was inactive for the game, so I'm just, you know, chilling, flipping a ball on the sideline. I'm like, look at the you know, look at the craters coming out of this ground, like the typical Florida moss where you stop, and for the next, like, four feet, especially me, because when I stop, I get stuck. It's not stopping. It's stumbling. It's a wipeout. And the, the field just – it's like literally you just took a shovel and just pushed it to the side. So God bless those defensive backs. Go get an edge rusher, and hopefully these tight ends and tackles can hold on uh, because they're going to be able to throw it up. Okay, biggest surprise in this whole thing, you know, not to give the old cliche radio, what's the biggest surprise of free agency and trades? But, like, is it Brady coming back? Is it, you know, Matt Ryan now to the Colts? Seems like the perfect fit there. Uh, is it – I mean, there's so much that went on. I tried to – I did a show yesterday, and I, like, started writing things down. Wilson to Denver, like, there's so – Many things. Devontae Adams getting paid like a quarterback. Uh, I think a big thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is, uh, you know, Chandler Jones going there too. So yeah. what's been a surprise? You know what? I'd say for a lot of those, like there are a fair amount of them that in some ways made sense right now, all of them happening at once is insane, but Russ going to Denver wasn't shocking to me because nothing about the bad blood or the distaste in his mouth had really changed over the course of last season in Seattle. The thing that's still going to be interesting to me is what exactly Jacksonville thinks they're doing because quietly lost in all this before Devonte Adams reset the receiver market was everyone looking at the price tag. They threw at Christian Kirk, like, Okay, a guy who had been a, a, a solid number three. Like, I remember covering him at Texas A&M 
when him and uh, they played Wake Forest in what was then the Belt Bowl and broke about every offensive record on earth. And I remember like, all right, Christian Kirk almost had a, you know, what looked like an ankle injury that was going to affect his draft stock that day. Tough kid, came back, battled through it, crushed it. But no one saw him making that kind of money. And so for Jacksonville to kind of throw a lot of money at a bunch of different receivers to, you know, shirk some of the guys that they had had there, you know, they had DJ Shark, Bavishka, Chenault, all those dudes. You're just trying to kind of see what the plan's going to be as Doug Peterson looks to uh, resurrect a quarterback prospect that I still love from last year. I still think was the best talent in that draft class, but it doesn't make as much sense what they've done down there as some of the other spots do, particularly the AFC West, like you mentioned. Well, I'm interested to see what they're going to do this year because they did bring in some pretty good players. I like the guy, my buddy, Dan Ingram, uh, uh, excuse me, Dan Arnold, not Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's on his way down, but Dan Arnold, the tight end, was with us in Carolina. Got to know Dan real well, really good receiving tight end, can do a little bit of everything. Dan's there, Evan's there, Kirk, Etienne's coming back. They signed Sheriff, who I have a ton of respect for, the guy in yeah. Washington. I know you do too, guys. His stud, he was Quentin Nelson before there was Quentin Nelson. Uh, let's see, who else? Cam Robinson. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I think they have some good pieces now. I think it puts them back in a conversation. They're moving in the right direction. Uh, I'm a I'm a Doug Peterson fan from being someone from Philly and kind of watching what he did. I think you know it's going to be interesting. It's a great point you bring up Jacksonville. That's that's a really interesting point. We were talking about that yesterday. Well, and I mean you're looking at the top of the draft now and going, okay, you bring Scherf down there. Does that preclude you from taking you know people want to mock you know Ikiakuanu from NC State, Evan Neal from Alabama, potentially number one. Oh, you know, is it Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau? Or are you leaning on defense? even though you've kind of gone that way at the top of the last few with the other Josh Allen and Caleb Von Chase on the kid from LSU. So it, it does make that top pick where, all right, we know it's not going to be a quarterback unless someone's hell bent on trading up, which doesn't seem likely in this class. It, it, it does make interesting what their next move is likely along the lines of scrimmage now, based on how you spent money. Great point too, about the first, first overall pick. They, they do have some serious, you know, collateral to play with. Okay, let's transition. A partner of yours in the booth, someone that called a lot of games of ours in, in Temple and the American Athletic Conference, Anish Sharaf becomes the play-by-play man on the radio, replacing the great Mick Mixon, who's been on this podcast, who is the most interesting man in the world, an unbelievable episode. But he retires, goes into the sunset, called the Panthers all through their heyday, DeLome, Newton, all those guys. You've worked with Anish. Tell us about him. Uh, you want to talk about you you mentioned someone of like many talents you know uh, that's a niche like he is such a like well-rounded guy you know from growing up in Jersey be able to tell you everything about the Sopranos that basically took place like down the street from him to being a massive history buff can is like one of the guys that can name you every U.S. president can do all that stuff You'll have to get him at some point. Now he done he's done it on air, so I'm not betraying any sort of like secret here. He raps. Okay. So you'll have to ask him about that. But in addition to being like one of the most interesting men in the world, an unbelievable dad with a rock star daughter, Athena, who Panthers fans will get to know, she went viral for being one of the few people at the beginning of his tenure who could accurately pronounce DJ Uyunglele's last name. She was, I think, three at the time. And how you can tell she's a play-by-play's daughter because she had it down cold before we even got out of DJ's first game. Anish has such an unbelievable understanding of top to bottom, how to structure a broadcast, how to make sure that it is, all right, we're going to, you know, and certainly some of the responsibilities are different TV to radio, but to storytell, to make sure you're getting the depth on what this team's story is, where we currently sit in the season, what's important now. He's so great at creating the stakes. Why is this matchup important? What are the things that we need to have eyes on? And really setting the table for someone in my position in the color role in that booth to have a great template, you know, kind of, he creates the lines for you to color inside. And he does it with added personality, which is sometimes hard for people in that play-by-play role to do. 
And for him, it's really easy because he's got the other stuff down cold. He is such a student of the game. He's someone who has really gone to, you know, gone to work and trying to figure out how to do this at the highest level. And I was so lucky. I learned a ton just in one season with him. I've known him for a long time, but the Panthers got an absolute gem. They should be ecstatic. And he's a guy who's right in there, who's going to be in Charlotte and who lives and breathes that area as well. Yeah, he's it's a win-win. It's a home run, and it's a big a seat to fill. But he's going to fill it. I can't. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. Get to know him a little bit more. Like I said, he's called some of our games at Temple. Hopefully, at the end of this podcast, we can steal some of ESPN's audio and throw it on the back of it just for fun, so people to hear his call. All right, we got to transition to Notre Dame. Can't you know? As much as it pains me for, to talk about them, <laughs> Mike. They literally. I went there. I was the number one tight end in the country. They said I was too big. Oh, listen, they, they also make mistakes. Like we have done that plenty of times here. So, and, and listen, I was not the perfect recruit. I'm not sitting here saying that I was perfect. The first three years of my college career were disastrous. I couldn't walk. I was in boots. I was a mess. So I'm not saying that I should have got an offer from Notre Dame, but you'd think 25 other schools were into it. And my dream school, Notre Dame did not. I was absolutely devastated. Plus it rained all weekend. I'm like, yeah, screw that. I'm not going back there. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. though I was like ready, I was ready, man. I went to Boston college offer. And a couple other schools in there. And you know what? They were they were great, but I just was just like, ah. So yeah. So what so let's talk about Brian Kelly, yeah. the transition, the new ball coach. Everyone seems to love him. Yeah, it, it, the BK thing was uh, interesting for the fan base. It was something that when I thought about, you know, because it's I kind of wear a lot of hats, right? I grew up and I'm still a massive Notre Dame fan. I got to play there and live out that dream. I cover college football now. So it kind of depends on what hat I wear, but logically I kind of understood why, right? The last three coaches that have been at LSU have won national championships. I really think Nick Saban's the only one of those coaches that's a better pound for pound coach than Brian Kelly is when you're looking at Ed O or uh, Les Miles. And so for Brian, he had accomplished a ton at Notre Dame. He has done so much for Notre Dame football in a little over a decade, but that national championship, it still eluded him. And so I'm sure he's looking at his career and saying, all right, this is an opportunity for me in a place that is talent rich in recruiting in a way that Notre Dame right now has not been able to match because of academic standards, whatever else you want to put into that. And he has a chance to go down there and add that to his resume at a place where recruiting is as simple as walking out into your backyard in the bayou. So understood that, but it was certainly, I think, a shell shock moment for a lot of Notre Dame fans who rightly have pride in the school and don't view it as the job before the job, which I still don't think it is. I don't think that's what it means, but I think this was a special set of circumstances where Brian had been there for 12 years. Brian had been part of a ton of success between a BCS title appearance and two college football playoff appearances and being the all-time wins leader. But when that last thing is such a specific resume point and he's in such different air already, something like this, you know, we started to see whether it was going to be USC here, you could kind of hear some of those rumblings and this made sense in some way. What is with the Southern accent? Have we addressed that? <laughs> you know what? I, I think it's one of those things where he got a little bit caught up. He had been down there for, you know, 48 hours or a week at that point and was just internalizing all these accents here and you know the first time he went to open his mouth that's just what came out like I, that's the only thing I can come up with other than maybe he's really like galaxy braining this thing and knew that it would be a viral moment and everyone would be talking about LSU football but uh you know what I, I think those are funny viral moments for the rest of us to get a laugh at and are going to be lost to the sands of internet history if he goes out here and does what a lot of people expect which is win a bunch of football games because the guy knows how to come in and create a plan the guy knows how to coach ball and he's going to a place that's got a ton of great players that come through that school each and every year so I'll be stunned if they don't have a fair amount of success sooner than later and I think it'll make a lot of those moments easier for LSU fans to laugh at yeah it's going to be interesting my father-in-law is an LSU fan die hard uh, my wife's a Gator, you know, so there's a lot of fun talk with the SEC stuff, which is great because I'm still a Gator at heart. I really wanted to finish there and then I went to Temple. So I got to do all these different things and follow all these, you know, so it's been fun for us to banter. Plus I am kind of a media person and player too. So we're always talking LSU, Brian Kelly, the accent screwed me up. We'll see what happens. I think, I think they're going to be fun to watch. You know, again, there've been some down years there. I got to know Joe Brady well, who was the OC, obviously, during their success in Carolina. Guys, follow Mike on Twitter, at Mike Golick Jr. Uh, we're not going to get into what's next. 
going to leave that to Mike and his Twitter to release. But Mike, a quick story about you and your dad before you go. I think I told us previously, maybe I didn't, but I was calling a game at Temple and I called games when I was in and out of the NFL and during and tryouts and all these different things. And I was actually laughing with Paul Palmer, Temple grad who went into the college football hall of fame this past year. And he was like, I remember you just be gone and in and out and all these different things with workouts. I digress, but it's a fun story to tell. And it's a chapter. I look back at smile at, I love doing color commentary. Absolutely loved it. Um, but I was walking up the field one day and it was a Thursday night game and you and your dad were calling the game and you guys were in the tunnel, the South. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Philly South West tunnel getting ready to walk up to go to the elevator and, and make the call. And I stopped and shook you guys' hands, and you guys couldn't have been more gracious, so nice. Uh, talked about how I grew up listening to your dad. I'm both listening to both of you guys, and I'm calling the game, and I'm a former player. So I appreciate you. It's been a great friendship getting to know you and, uh, you know, wish you nothing but the absolute best of luck with what, what's next for you. No, I appreciate it, man. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I remember that day well. I think it was uh, Temple Navy at the link, so – yeah. It was a it was a hell of a ball game, but like you said, to see you know it, how long it's been and six seven years down the road for you in this pod and what it's become, it's been cool to watch, man. It's been cool to say that I was in here early and bought <laughs> and bought stock in all of this early on here. So We're like Amazon, baby. Yeah, exactly. Always to to the moon, man. But no, appreciate you always having me. It's a blast. Been a blast to keep in touch this long. Good luck with what's next, man. We look forward to following. Appreciate it, buddy. For you to let go Caught up Drowning in the undertow One slight Just enough to let them know You were out for blood Life walking disaster